welcome to Novelize This, the podcast where we discuss books that are based on movies, video games, and more. My name's Mark. And I'm Chris, and I read books too. <laughs> Sometimes the same book. Well, particularly Did... when told to do it for a podcast, but yes. You want to remain my friend? <laughs> read King Kong. One of the things that I was interested in this idea of novelize this as a podcast is reading books that are based on other media is to me a cynical cash grab at its heart and i'm fascinated by entertainment that is also selfish rudimentary this was this was interesting it was not what i was expecting frankly better than expected it was a good experience it was it was work (laughs) i'm not gonna lie um i was telling my partner steph this was not an easy read for me I read for pleasure all the time. I usually mm-hmm. read books that are a little on the lighter side, a little on the action-y side. And this, I just kept going. I have no idea what's going on. And at the same time, I know way too much about what some of these characters look like. And the, book, <laughs> the book, as we said, is King Kong. Uh, the film came out in 1933, but the book came out a year prior. Uh, you know, when I think of novelizations, I think of them as being released at the same time as a movie or after a movie. They're based on the script. They're often the writers get the script. They... Some version of the script. Right. And they're writing it while the movie is being made. I couldn't find a lot of information about why this, uh, why one came before the other. But what I did find, and the reason we chose this, right, Chris, is that it was the first novelization. Yeah, the Um, first film novelization. You'd think that a novelization would be released concurrently with the film, right? Like, think about novelizations that we've seen. Most of them are probably from, like, book fairs in, like, elementary and middle school. And mm -hmm. usually those were tied into whatever new release was currently out. Um, Dumber. Are we doing the Dumb and Dumber novelization? Please say no. Eventually. Oh, boy. If we're lucky. But yeah, just the idea of releasing a novel tie-in for what was was at the time a blockbuster movie. I mean, there was apparently hype for King Kong as this amazing marvel of cinema. And then to release the book a year before. What a weird way to get, I guess, get hype. That's a tremendous trailer for your movie. Is a whole goddamn book. <laughs> if you like words on a page, wait until you see King Kong up on the silver screen. Yeah. It's 1933. Did you see the dust jacket? I did. And I, well, so I, I read mm-hmm. this through the Internet Archive because I was mm. not going to buy a copy. Um, I bought mine on Amazon. I got the Kindle version, which I'll link to in the show notes. Its cover ties into another property, the King Kong musical. That. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, There's which is apparently very good. I, I, I mean, saw a part of it on YouTube, and I was like, "That monkey, he's pretty cool looking." T- like ten <laughs> operators. Okay, that's legit. Then, if they actually made him twenty feet tall or whatever, that oh, would actually be a, kind of incredible. He's a big monkey. Ape, technically. Tell us about who wrote King Kong the novelization, Mark. Delos. Delos. I'm thinking it's Delos. Delos W. Lovelace, best known. For King Kong, although author of several books, a few with his wife, born in 1894, died in 1967, was a reporter. That's how he got connected to Cooper, the director and and head of the King Kong project. Um, They met as reporters in 1916. Uh, I did think it was interesting the way that the book was credited, that it was King Kong conceived by Edgar Wallace and Marion C. Cooper, 
novelization mm-hmm. by Delos W. Lovelace. Mm-hmm. That he's not even technically the author. He is the novelizer. Yeah, I, and I also noticed that two screenplay writers are not credited on the book. Yeah. Ruth Rose and Ashmore Creelman. And Ruth Rose, there was a what would have been a rape scene in the original script. Big yikes. Um, There's already and, a lot of yikes in this, and that would have yeah. been a big yikes. Yeah, so she changed that. Um, she did change it to something racist, though. So that's no good. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is how the intro puts it. So King <laughs> Kong, spoiler, saves the female lead. He saves her from being murdered by the black tribe that's in, in the that plays a nice. big part in this story. Yeah. As opposed to getting raped. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing that I think is interesting about Lovelace is his wife. Maud Lovelace, she was a writer in her own right, and apparently a much better one than him. Um <laughs> She is remembered for her children's books, especially, which are still being reprinted to this day. And some of those look really incredible, actually. In fact, there's an annual book award in her honor to children's authors. Um, All right. That's cool. Her primary series is called the Betsy Tacey series, which is largely autobiographical. And just taking a quick glance at these books, they hold up. Cool. So I'm going to give you the rundown of how I interpreted the sheer number of characters in this book. There are two (laughs) guys that we really care about. There is one woman that we really care about. And then there are just set decorations that apparently also talk. In my mind, I could really only keep track of three distinct characters. Mm-hmm. Driscoll, the ship's sec- like first mate, a strapping, extremely chiseled, lantern-jawed he- 1930s hero. There's the director, Denham, who is essentially the instigator of all of this, and somehow the driving force that people constantly listen to. And then there's Andero, who is the ingenue, I suppose, the the pretty lady who is down on her luck that denim just saw and thought i can definitely get this woman on a boat (laughs) everyone else i just could not pin them down there were other character names and oh boy i just had no mental image of them at all there's a character named jimmy who jimmy starts getting a lot of dialogue at one point and i was thinking did i fall asleep (laughs) during part of this book like when did this character become crucial to the plot and then he dies. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, and wasted that's, energy on my part. That's part of the problem, right? And this is, this is kind of one of my problems with the book in general is that we've got these three main characters who by themselves never actually face any peril. Mm-hmm. Peril always happens nearby them after they are okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and that, that happens so often that I was just... Again, it was like, oh, so more faceless people have, are completely brutalized in way more detail than I would have imagined. And yet I, I never... even tell how many people were on that freaking boat. So basically... <laughs> the raft this... or the... Wait, which, which boat? Welcome, right. to, welcome yeah. to the the Russian nesting doll that is this <laughs> book. But okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's, let's start yeah. at the beginning. We have, our, we have our, our three primary characters. We have the set dressing for the boat. My first major note, after going through kind of the first, probably like the first like six or seven chapters of this book, is when does King Kong show up? There is a song by the band Tripod called King Kong, where the 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 chorus is "Get to the fucking monkey," and <laughs> that's that's all I could feel during this. And the first half of the book is mostly just 
and being described as almost ghostly in terms of her complexion and <laughs> nothing happening <laughs> they spend they spend a quarter of the book getting to skull mountain island yeah so this director denim has amassed this huge crew how many people are in the crew it's never divulged really there's a point at which part of the crew is split into two boats or or more it says 20 men to each boat I'm assuming but, that's the boat to get from the big boat exactly to the island. Yeah. Yeah, at that point I was like, "Whoa. I didn't I knew there were supposed to be a lot of men on this boat, but that many men." Denim gets this crew together by telling everyone he's going to make a great movie. He doesn't tell them where they're going, what the movie's going to be about. Um apparently everyone can tell it's going to be dangerous, but they don't know why, and they're all okay with it. Yeah, and everyone's just 100% on board. I was actually completely amazed. And again, this is where I think a novelization is really interesting because King Kong is is so, you know, the finale is in New York City. And so they have to start mm-hmm. in New York City so they can return to it. But going from New York City to the South Pacific Polynesian Islands on like a steamer, that's months of travel just to get there. That oh, I just, again, it's like, could you have said it in San Francisco? I think in the same way that we can't tell how many people are on this crew, we also can't tell how much time is passing. Anne and Driscoll fall in love. Like, uh, immediately. Very, very quickly, it seems. And there's a, a line where Driscoll says something like, over the past weeks, weeks, how many weeks? This was discussed as if it were the next day, like, uh, Anne is promised many dresses and various things when she gets on this boat. And she has these photo shoots that she's discussing with Driscoll at the same time as they're like him telling her how much he loves her. And so I'm (sighs) like, so did it take weeks for Denim to get around to the photo shoot? I don't know. So little detail is given to things like action and passage of time reading a little bit about the changes from the movie to the book that apparently, and in, you can vouch for this as someone who's seen the original, apparently they just kind of go to the island. Like, they don't spend a lot of time on the boat in the film. There's they, a few scenes, but it's a lot of montage. Right, which which works in, like, a really visual medium, but why do we spend so much time in it here? Was it because we absolutely had to get over 180 pages? Like, I don't... <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm I'm bewildered by this. I'll be honest. Some of the scenes between Driscoll and Anne, I did like. I don't mind a quieter story. I think it bothered me because I knew it was supposed to be an adventure tale. But I wouldn't mind if that were a book. You know, like, you know, the shop around the corner, if that's what you want. But Let's say, I feel like there's a, a lot of books about people on boats. Like, that's that, that feels like mm-hmm. quite the genre all on its own. But this thing is called King Kong get to the fucking monkey absolutely i i literally was keeping track of little weird details because so little so little felt like it was happening that for me i i wrote down name drop of kong on page 45 but the book is called king kong right like why i guess that's that's part of the the slow opening that i thought was really weird Mm -hmm. is why the mystery when we know there's an island with a giant monkey on it yeah. Like, why Why build up this kind of weird tension 
that is deflated by the cover. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and not just by the cover, but the characters. You know, Denim's supposed to be all mysterious about their plan, and yet everyone seems to be kind of aware that this thing exists somewhere. Right. They also get to the island and can speak the language that's spoken there. So clearly people are aware <laughs> right when they get land on the on the island right and so mm-hmm. this is this is in chapter seven so this book has 19 chapters and chapter seven is when we finally get to again skull mountain island which is just a hilariously dumb name so okay we're getting 1930s depiction of island natives i'm i'm girding my loins for how rough this is going to be the native king is called a big bozo which i thought was just weird but then there was this line made me me laugh out loud i suppose so denim spoke reluctantly with all the white explorers confidence in his racial superiority and my note was holy shit this book is self-aware hey ruth rose <laughs> like like what for your contribution was it wasn't ready for that line in my 1932 published king kong book <laughs> but you know they must have thought of that as a very positive thing it wasn't a it wasn't a like man what a jack off right yeah they probably meant it as oh right like of course he has you know racial superiority and i'm just like ha, ha, ha. okay all right mm-hmm. denim the filmmaker is constantly railing against needing to incorporate a love interest into his story he just wants a lead right you know a, a, a main man a tough guy to go out there and get a big monkey <laughs> and um, get that big he, monkey but the public which is always capitalized uh, demands a girl right and and then they spend so much time of this story building up this love yeah. which is so shallow there's nothing going on there you know no interesting details they don't know each other do you think that's just the f- writers saying they forced us to put this in here? We didn't want to. The studio said we had to. I can't. I can't tell. Like I almost feel like uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt that it was part of the script because they may have gotten a legitimate note. Like, listen, you have to have a love story here. Let these two characters hook up by the end. <laughs> but it just, yeah, it just feels so tacked on. <laughs> this book is somehow described as a monster adventure romance. And the romance Mm. part is so overwhelmed and overshadowed by, I guess, the monster and the adventure that it's just, yeah, they kiss. They're a a couple now. I'm more interested in the romance between King Kong and Anne. So did you catch that they actually had like a, a weird little piece of foreshadowing? I actually did appreciate. In chapter five, there is a scene where Driscoll kisses Anne in front of Ignatz the monkey. And Ignatz gets jealous. There's a love triangle between this, this incredibly lump, white lumpies woman and, and and a a literal pet monkey that and he I gets can't. jealous and I was I was like is this actually foreshadowing it could be the the book's overt discussion of white superiority and the like the really overblown racist depiction of the tribe on the island it makes me wonder is this a story about about the fear of a white woman and a black man almost together am i (laughs) no i don't i don't think you're you're misreading that at all judging by how the islanders are described and also and this is a note that i have for much later at the end of the book but Anne's own reaction to king kong is so vastly different in this and i'm assuming probably in the original movie as well than any other media that i've that i've seen of this Mm. yeah i just i was very much surprised going through this yeah 
Yeah, it's not subtext. It's just text. Well, we do get on that island eventually. Still no Kong. We do come in, <laughs> come in contact with this tribe. I, when I first saw this movie years ago, I was surprised that there were so many monsters on this island. Sure. I thought it was just Kong, but there's a ton of dinosaurs. And in the book, other creatures that are maybe dinosaurs. Yeah, maybe possibly dinosaurs. Maybe not. Um... And what what makes King Kong so special? But Why is he the god of the tribe as opposed to like a T-Rex? I don't know. The main character of, of the book is arguably King Kong. And even in the even when Kong finally shows up in I have to I cannot stress this enough, chapter nine of a nineteen chapter <laughs> book. When King Kong finally appears, he doesn't do much and again the the action as you introduce all these fantastic elements which look great in a film but are super poorly described in this okay what about this other stuff can i get more of that please oh no we're okay we're 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 not even following after you know so going through it and gets captured by the natives she's put up a sacrifice to king kong she's taken by kong and the action isn't even from her perspective most of the time yeah. for a few a few brief examples and it's denim and driscoll and x number of people with them who are chasing the following the trail at the start when you described the crew as set dressing I was thinking, and Anne also, right? Anne's yeah. barely a character. Yeah, her her sole motivation seems to be be in movie. Mm-hmm. They did her no favors in this, but again, this is I don't know. It's a, it's a kind of bizarre piece of media when looked through a modern lens. Anyway, there's a number of scenes where she's in the scene and people are talking about her, <laughs> and she has no dialogue. <laughs> Like, chapters go by without her saying anything. Yeah. And then she is clutched by Kong. And do you feel like that changed your relationship as a reader to Anne? No, because, again, I don't. they don't even give, like, her interactions with Kong. Except for, like, mm-hmm. two very brief scenes. Both go. Anne wakes up. Anne has no idea what's going on. Anne sees Kong. Anne faints. Sometimes she screams. True. And then, <laughs> and then proceeds to faint and goes back to being a literal prop carried around by Kong. Yeah. There's a scene where Kong is sort of inspecting her and removing her clothing. I didn't, yep. It's not clear how much clothes he removes, but she has basically the reaction you just described. Which is kind of understandable. If a, you know, house-sized monkey is undressing you, I might faint too. In the movie, I know we're talking about the book, but I just think it's an interesting contrast. In the movie, there's almost a sort of horror fascination in her face. It's like, she's not just scared. She's fascinated with all these possibilities must be running through her head. Right. Where is this going? And ultimately, just like in the book... It doesn't lead to any characterization or any, like, there's no real back and forth there. And that leads me to that famous line that's repeated. Denim keeps saying it's a story of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I was so tired of that. Looking at the more modern versions of this, right, that it is it is like a literal reenactment of Beauty and the Beast. That she is initially horrified, but she comes to see a gentle side of him. She comes to see a nuance to kong that ultimately leads her to not be 
scared to essentially trust that he would protect her. Yeah. And that is not in this at all. That really surprised me because in my memory of watching the movie all those years ago, that tender relationship or however you would describe it, that is how I remember it. Reading the book and rewatching the film, you're right. It's not there at all. You, you really don't get Anne at all. Well, I can't understand why he is carrying her around and not eating her like he's eating everyone else. Because she's white. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, <She's>... that's <laughs> like, and, and, and this is one of my, my favorite notes from reading this thing. Anne is apparently so white that she glows in the dark. That this is, this is taken from the book. In the faint light, Anne was now no more than a shadow, except where her dress was torn. There, however, her shoulder was white and softly gleaming what (laughs) yeah and yeah and and she she stops the natives during their ceremony when they first see her she is so overwhelmingly beautiful that they cannot help but be enraptured by her which is just weird and then in chapter 17 driscoll manages to rescue her in a very confusingly written scene that apparently involved pterodactyls that Anne is left essentially rocking back and forth saying kong 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 over and over head and i just wrote jesus it's like she she saw cthulhu and she has completely lost her grip on reality like she has gone mad because of being carried around by a 20 foot tall gorilla i just didn't expect that i'm used to the more modern take on this of beauty and the beast and i can see like if if we are going to read this through that lens of like the book is a sort of scare tactic white women stay away from black men i can see how like Anne is portrayed as being traumatized by the situation. But to sort of jump way ahead, getting right to the ending, I think it's, it ties in right here. King Kong dies. He is taken down. And it's said by Denim that beauty killed the beast. Oh boy, yeah. What does that mean if we're reading it through the lens of race? Nothing, nothing that Anne did ultimately led to Kong's demise. Denim said, we'll give him more than chains. He's always been king of his his world. He's got something to learn. Something man can teach any animal. Mm-hmm. That's fear. That will hold him if chains alone won't. I was shocked at that. Later, when, when Kong is being premiered, Kong was there, a king no longer. He crouched in a great steel cage under a weight of tangled chains. Chains led from his hunkering body to ring bolts in the thick steel floor. Chains held his great paws immovable and bound his broad black feet. Only his head was free. That swung mutely upon his audience. As Denim quickly explained, he had not used his throat for any speaking purpose for days, and his hands were too tightly bound to drum now upon his chest. That's fucked up! Like, I was was legitimately upset at that visual. Mm -hmm. Bringing Anne there is what reawakened him, and thus he had to be murdered because... God, the lesson! Yeah. And I wonder if maybe this is like an instance of us projecting on the book because of the point in history that we're at, you know? Right. Maybe the writers didn't have any of these intentions. I mean, there's obvious racist stuff in the book, but maybe these big takeaways aren't intended. It's still impossible for me not to see them there yeah it's not subtle yeah these conceptions of like equating the tribe tribesmen with the monsters with king kong specifically maybe it was unconscious but it it still seems still seems like it's a fair 
criticism of the book. Part of any sort of criticism, right, is that you bring you bring what you are to it. When you're reading something, even something that is old, right? From a di- it's from a different time. It's from a different era. People had different different attitudes. You can still say that was bad then too. Just just because yeah. just because that was more commonly held and that it showed up more overtly in media, it was still bad. It it ended up it ended up making the book harder for me to read and enjoy because there was yeah. this these elements baked in that I was like, oh boy. I don't think it would fix all the problems, but I'm curious if this story's ever been told with a black cast. To be very clear, we are two white guys. So when it oh, yeah. comes when it comes very, to very, two very white yeah, guys. Yeah, when it comes to <laughs> this kind of projection, this kind of how how would you do it without removing that? And honestly, I don't know how you would do it. I don't know how you would address it. You can't, yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't be just a matter of, of adding in black characters or changing, you know, actually making the Polynesians look like Polynesians. It's, it's hard to see that it's so kind of baked in from the ground up. Yeah. I don't even understand the tribe at all. I know it builds up King Kong as not just a monster in, in the jungle, but more than that they think of him as a god and so then we the audience think of him as being ultra powerful just make him better than the dinosaurs yeah just make him make him have a racist tribe element yeah make him a force of nature and i think that that's where that's where all of the modern kongs really go with it whether Mm -hmm. it's peter jackson's king kong whether it's kong skull island or whether it's godzilla versus king kong it's show his strength show his power and not let it just be said Oh, he is like a god. Do any of these versions omit the tribe? I don't like, think so. I think there's always a tr- there's always natives on Skull Island. I just think that they are not not terribly racist caricatures. <laughs> also, the book just kind of ends, <laughs> and that's really hard from a modern perspective. Gong literally falls to his death on the second to last page. You get "Twas beauty killed the beast," and the book just ends. The last line is this totally pointless. Uh, so the second to the last line is Denim giving the Beauty and the Beast line. It was Beauty that killed the Beast. And that's where the book should have ended. And then it doesn't because there's another line where it's like, and the cop grimaced. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. Like, or it's just. Wah, wah. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. As I said, this, this book was work. I, I read like the first like eight chapters in like maybe like an hour and a half. And then I didn't yeah. read it again for like two weeks. <laughs> and then I went, ah, oh, I'm supposed to finish reading this. I better do that. Can I be honest? I enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy all of the stupid shit that we talked about, but I thought the pros were solid. Not great. There were some clumsy parts, but it was okay. And some of the monster action was fun if not good (laughs) fun if bewildering yeah i don't know so much was said with so little being described it was hard for me to visualize what was happening and when that when that happens in any book it just turns into me looking at words it's not me reading a story i don't disagree (laughs) (laughs) so 
next episode in two weeks will be wildly different <laughs> and hopefully much better if yeah. you know if only much more fun um, it's not dostoevsky it is the beverly hillbillies saga of wildcat creek Ooh-wee! which <laughs> that was your recommendation well okay recommendation um, my partner found it at the goodwill bins and said haha isn't this funny and i went you can't sell that yet well thank god for Steph, because that's gonna be a hoot hoot nana I nanny forward to it so if you manage to find this show you already know we are at novelizethis.com. Um, you can find links to all of our episodes there with descriptions of them, an index of the properties that we discuss on the show. Our theme song is, was that a way message for me? From the fabulous 8-Bit Betty. Check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp. We will link to them in the show notes. No social media. Thank God. Uh, exists. <laughs> yes. We made a conscious decision. No social media exists in connection with the show. So you can't find us there, but you can email us at novelizethispodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts on King Kong. Tell us if I said something racist. Um, <laughs> and maybe make a suggestion. What's a book you would like us to read? I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, thank you, Mark. This is great. And we're high-fiving. Shapa! <laughs>